All right, get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank each and every month when you sign up to be a Patreon pledger. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month, and you will gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, ranging from book reviews, comic book discussion, and additional topical breakdowns, news, updates, you name it, we do it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital pledge it helps us keep the lights on in the studio if you don't we're gonna be living in rags like ray (laughs) (laughs) warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions if you're easily offended do not continue on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of royal to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael. Yeah, come on in. The water is fine. Hello, David. Hello. There's little bubbles and fluids in here still, Mike. Yeah, well, we got to get that cleaned. (laughs) Um, I'm enjoying the restorative properties of the back to water. (laughs) At least I'm trying to ignore those floodies and random bubbles that keep coming out from around you. I don't know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> you're a savage. You're you're an animal. <laughs> All right. So you can now text RMD 69 to 50597 whenever an RMD show is about to go live or heart stopping edge of your seat. Rain Man Digital related news is released. So text RMD 69 to 50597, especially right now when we're going full bore into light speed or I should say hyperspeed mode with um with star wars shows five days a week that's right dave five days a week yes that's high, that's hyperspeed we yeah. did seven days it'd be ridiculous speed <laughs> so today you and i are going to just jump right into a topic that we've been discussing on again off again throughout the last i want to say two or three months and that is dr afra uh, specifically dr afra volume one uh written by kieran gillen and kev walker Now, Dave, as I said, folks may have heard us mentioning Afra a bit more of late, and that's because I feel like she's pretty fucking awesome. And I don't just mean her as a character, but the Marvel title, Dr. Afra, and everything that it encompasses is awesome because it's different. It's very, very different. It's a bit lighthearted at times, but also very real as well. And to have a title with, you know, that is fresh, an ongoing story about a new character is a rare treat in Star Wars. A lot of what we get is, again, not complaining. I like the comic books. Some of them are superficial. Some of them are pretty damn good. But 
a lot of times we're getting stories that are delving into characters and situations that we are very in the know that we know very well certain topics does that make sense that we yeah i can't get i'm not speaking properly right now i think i've had too much red bull it's dealing with uh, they deal with themes that are a constant in star wars right in characters that we've seen and and heard of read about numerous times anakin uh, mace windu obi-wan luke han solo leia chewy and, and nothing's wrong with that i like it i love it give me more give me more but with Dr. Afra, we have this rare treat where we're being introduced to not just a new character, but new ideas, new things, a new way to explore Star Wars canon and to crack open Star Wars canon, bring in new lore, things that we thought were dead and gone, opening up that Legends box and using some of those things to help explore the story of Dr. Afra. Yeah, but still maintaining the vibe of a Star Wars story. Like yes. this still belong. This still feels like we're in the universe of Star Wars. Without a doubt, there's no question. This does not not feel like Star Wars. This is at its heart very much Star Wars, and that is why you know my hats off to Kieran Gillen and Kev Walker for continuing Star Wars in a different way and going a different direction. And Afra has kind of carved out her own little legacy. And fan base, I guess a fandom of her own, which is what will propel this character for the next several years, if not a couple decades. I mean, she speaks to a lot of people within the new generation of Star Wars for a lot of reasons. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. She's one of the few unique or new Disney era Star Wars that has stuck. Yes. And this is the goal of any franchise, any company that owns a property you want an idea to stick. You want to throw an idea at that wall and for it not to fall down. You want it to stay there. That's why Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Darth Vader are still relevant because it was something that connected with audiences and it has stayed the course. Well, the, the whole thing about creating this character for Dr. Aphra was to kind of capture the same magic that Star Wars had when... There was no Luke. There was no Han. We, they created characters like Mara Jade, Cal Katarn, Dash Rendar. Those yes. three were yeah. our, you know, our Star Wars characters when there were no movies going around. Right. And the whole point for Afro was to catch that same magic where they create this character that stands on their own. And fans now want to see Afro mingling with the, with the mainstream characters like a Luke, a Han, and a Leia, or even there's talk of her like intermingling with like characters that are popular right now, like Ahsoka or um, the rebels crew. Right. Anybody in any character that we've all, that we've seen at some point, I think when you get a character that instantly is beloved, you immediately as a fan want to see her included in almost every story. But luckily Dave, they haven't done that. I'm glad they haven't done that. Even though as a fan, I'm like, give me more Afra, put her in here, put her in here, put her in here. But then if they do that, it takes away from the mystique of the character, the newness of the character, or the novelty aspect of this character. Because even though she is very much in the vein of Star Wars, I like that they've managed to only a few times bring her into the main Star Wars storyline 
and they have allowed her to kind of create her own story. And that's why she has staying power, Dave. Yeah. Because she's not relying on just what we know. They are using her to blaze new trails in Star Wars. And that's how you create a character that's unique and fresh and that has staying power. If you have a character that always relies on what we've seen before, then they're not blazing new trails. They're not, they don't have staying power because you're using the characters that are already established to continue to get people to buy into a new idea. And this is something Disney has struggled with. We'll, we'll yes. openly admit it. Uh, Disney has struggled to find that new Disney era character that has staying power. And Dr. Afra is one of maybe four characters that have truly managed to overcome that hurdle. Yeah, I would say so. That's why I feel that Dr. Afra the next year is going to be really interesting to see what happens with like a character like Dr. Afra mm-hmm. because make no mistake, Disney and and Lucasfilm, they want to close the chapter on the Star Wars uh, Skywalker saga. Right. And they've, they've already told us, Hey, we want to do original stories. Now we don't want to rely on the Skywalker story. Right. Well, you have this character there. There are characters out there that they can take outside of the Skywalker storyline and do, do stories around them that fit perfectly. And Afra to me is one of those ones that honestly could, benefit from this and we could actually see this character kind of branch out well especially because she's in a time period that we know a lot about yes between star wars and empire strikes back that's when her story takes place as of right now but you can easily jump five years into the era we don't know much about and that's post return of the jedi that isn't a a that isn't a, a deal breaker. I mean, you can easily find easily find a way to introduce her into the Mandalorian. Oh, easily. I mean, easily. it's the same time period. So the sky's the limit with Doctor Afra, in my opinion. Now she was introduced within the pages of the first Darth Vader Marvel series in 2015, and was essentially the co-star of this series. It was Vader and Doctor Afra. Yes, uh, she was. I want to say brought into that storyline in issue three, which was March, 2015. And her story was laid out in parallel to Vader's story. And she had a big part to do, or I should say a big, yeah, she had a big part to play in the uncovering of the mysteries of who the rebel was that destroyed the death star. She assisted Vader in finding this information. So she's very instrumental in some big behind the scenes Star Wars canon stuff. So to have this character introduced in such a way immediately makes her interesting. And yes, people may say, well, Michael, you just said she didn't, they didn't rely on, you know, our established characters to make her interesting. They used just like any viable spinoff. What do you do? You introduce the idea in your core storylines. Yes. Then you bring them out into their own story. And then what you do post that introduction is what is what really matters because now they have to stand on their own two feet. So it was smart for Marvel 
uh, Kieran Gillen to introduce into Vader because Kieran Gillen also was the writer of the first Darth Vader series. So he did create Dr. Afra. Yes. Very smart. And I know in interviews he has been stated saying that he had no idea what he was doing with Dr. Afra. Like, <laughs> he was like, hey, she's interesting to me. I'm going to create this character that I can do this with. But he had no idea that she would take off. There was no thought process. Yeah, you know what? Dr. Afra is going to be the next big thing. And that's why she is the next big thing. How many times have we heard, you know, Star Wars trying to make something happen? Let's go back to that movie. You can't make, quit making Fetch happen. It's not going to happen. And that's what they did with Captain Phasma and various other characters. They shove it down your throat, trying to make them the next big thing. But the next big thing are mistakes. Boba Fett was a mistake. Maul was a mistake. No one, Maul died mm-hmm. in Phantom Menace. Boba Fett died in Return of the Jedi. Jedi. They were never intended to be these iconic characters that everyone gravitated to. They were mistakes. That's how you make greatness. You, you capture light. You can't capture lightning in the bottle purposely. And the thing was with Afra, I thought her introduction was very smart to get the audience to kind of get behind this character right yeah. away because the way they used her in Darth Vader was she was the narrator for, during that storyline. So in essence, we were seeing the story as her and as an audience, you actually get to relate to that character and care about that character really quick because you're reading it through her eyes. And I thought like, if we go back and we cover one of the biggest bonuses of that storyline of introduction of Afra, that was a genius way of introducing a character yeah. that has no connection to the audience, but you Gillen made it made the audience care what happens to this character. Well, she was intriguing from the very she beginning. She was intriguing from the get-go because why? Because it, when she got introduced, it felt personal to us because we're seeing the story through her eyes, not Darth Vader's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And she, at the end of the Vader series, we're not going to get into that Vader series too much. Maybe if people want us to, we'll get into it if they enjoyed the Afra discussions. But at the end of that Vader series, Vader attempts to kill Afra because yes. she, <laughs> spoilers here, uh, she had a lot of information that no one should know. Yes. And Vader wanted to kill her. In fact, in the story, Vader had recruited her to aid in his schemes. And then he was like, all right, well, now I'm done using you and I need to kill you. I because need to kill you now. <laughs> the Emperor doesn't know this information. No one knows this information. And Gillen said in an interview that he said, I was pretty sure that I was going to have to kill Afra. Uh, Vader is very good at what he does. I looked at that and went, wait, Afra has completely left a way that she can do this. I completely buy that Vader would fail for that because Vader gets angry. You know what I mean? He says, it's almost like Aphra planned her own escape for me. That was one moment that she kind of escaped, which is such an Aphra thing to do. And I'm not going to get into how she escaped, but it was it was very con artist. Yes. Strategic. And which is what her character. Yeah. So it it worked well and it didn't make Vader look like a fool because no. that's the thing that made me nervous when I was reading that issue. I was like, shit, listen, we know Dr. Afra is a force to, to reckon with. She's she's intelligent. She's a, a schemer. But you cannot take the teeth out of Vader. Yeah. And they did it in such a way that he was just unaware. And he was so consumed with the other bigger things that were going on that it made a lot a lot of sense that he could have been fooled by Afra's attempt 
at Escape. Yes, because they use the one by far they establish in the Vader series that Vader is not perfect. He's a broken character, but he does have weaknesses. He's a badass. He could kill people right away. However, he does have his own weaknesses, which the brilliant thing was always harping on the fact that he, his anger is what leads him down the dark side. Well, right now in this storyline in the 2015 Vader series, it would make perfect sense that his mind would be elsewhere because what, what is always distracting and governs Vader as a character emotion emotion and he is consumed with the information surrounding this rebel who he finds out is Luke Skywalker his son yeah so he's consumed by emotion so all of this makes sense I felt like it was very uh, perceptive of Kieran Gillen as a writer to understand the psychology of Vader at this time so that all of this would work now Dr. Afra, she is described as a criminal archaeologist with an expert knowledge of droid and weapons technologies, uh, with a particular interest in ancient weapons and Jedi artifacts, StarWars.com described the character as a mostly morally bankrupt, in-over-her-head <laughs> archaeologist. And Slate.com called her driven, selfish, decisive, and wildly unpredictable. I will agree with most of that, but I, but I feel like she can easily be described in, with one word. She's a sociopath. Through and through, just has a complete disregard for almost everything. Just cares for herself. Yeah. Now, yeah. some people may not fully understand what socio what a sociopath is. I feel like there's a lot of mis uh, perception or mis uh, conceptions on on um, what a sociopath is. But that's just a person who's self consumed and completely selfish. Uh, and I know sometimes people. Uh, connect sociopath with serial killers and murderers yeah yeah they are sometimes but those are psychopaths which is a different version of a sociopath the sociopath doesn't need to be a murderer and i feel in almost every way afra is a sociopath she has a serious personality disorder there were some minor complaints i know when her title first premiered that she's basically han solo and that's why I stress sociopath. Okay, first, before I say this. And I know the, the, the naysayers were like, she's just Han Solo. They just wanted to have a female version of him, blah, 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 blah. But she's nothing like Han Solo. Han Solo is driven by goodness. And he has a conscience. Afra does not. Yeah, Afra lacks the conscience. You know, it's it doesn't make her evil person per no. se. But... Basically, the definition of a sociopath is a person with a disorder manifesting itself in extreme antisocial attitudes and behavior with a lack of self-conscience. Yes. <laughs> and that's her. That's her. That's, that's what to a sociopath a is. To a T. And like when people made that, made that comparison between her and Han Solo, they, just, it's they those... forget that basically Han's a badass and all. And yes, he is a scoundrel. Yes. But by by far, he still has a good moral compass. Right. That's why he shows up at the end of, of New Hope and helps save the day. Save because the day. he was being plagued and tormented by his conscience. Yeah. That's and if why that was, he gave the the hyperspace fuel to the to that band of rebels because he had a conscience. And if if that was Afra, she wouldn't give two shits. No. <laughs> she would have basically taken the money, looked at Luke Skywalker and said, Okay, see you later. I'm out of here. Yeah. 
Now, that being said, she's not without her likable qualities. It may sound like, well, how do you like a character like this? They do a good job taking a character that struggles with a very serious personality disorder and they make her interesting while giving her likable traits or at least interesting enough for us to want to learn more. I don't feel like you always need to like every part of a character's uh, morality in order to be intrigued and follow their story. Now, that being said, let's just jump right into the details of volume one. Uh, Dr. Afra volume one is collecting the issues one through six. So if you want to catch up and read, those are the issues you would want to read. If you want to buy just the volume, I'll be sure to place the links on our website. Once this show goes on demand, uh, RaymanDigitalMedia.com. So you can either find the hardcover volume, the softcover volume, or if you just want to buy the individual issues. Uh, If you have a Comixology subscription, you can actually currently read all of i want to say the first 15 issues of dr afra you can read for free with your subscription yeah all right so the synapsis following her time in the clutches of darth vader dr afra has barely escaped with her life if he ever learns of her survival he'll hunt her to the ends of the galaxy but for now it's time for return to what she does best with the droids triple zero and bd1 in tow she's off in search of a rare artifacts from the galactic center to the outer rim and everywhere in between afra's got debts to pay after all just as long as she can stay one step ahead of the empire some bounty hunters just about everyone else in the galaxy that's a perfect synopsis because that totally encompasses her story as as a character as a character it is very much her against the world yes that's I, how, and it's that's how she feels it's her versus everybody and it it helps kind of make that uh, sociopathic characteristic more palatable yeah. as an audience. So, like, when you have, like, when you put it like that, this character feels it's them versus the world. It softens it softens the the harshness of the idea of a, a sociopathic character. Well, because also sometimes you have to start digging in deep. I'm like, well, yes. if this is how she feels, that it's her against the world then what was the root what is the roots or what are the root causes of her sociopathic tendencies tendencies where did it come from yes upbringing did she go through stuff and they do delve into a lot of those those aspects and and, and honestly in this story the thing i really do like about it is the way that they explain her sociopathic behavior makes sense it does make sense uh, now, one of the best things about this comic, Dave, is that it's a true spinoff. This is something I had alluded to at the top of the show. It's a true spinoff of the Vader Marvel run. Yes. The bulk of our heroes is made up of characters that Kieran used and or created during his Vader storyline. So this is pretty much, I'd say, 98% his baby with maybe 2% of other things or other people's creations being thrown in. Uh, we have the Wookiee, uh, Black Chrysanthemum, is how yeah, I'd say Chris, his name. Chrysanthemum. Uh, he was introduced in Star Wars number 15 from the journals of Old Ben, Old ben Kenobi. Uh, pretty interesting storyline. I don't want to spoil stuff, but if you're interested in his story, read Star Wars number 15. It's a nice little vignette, so you don't need to read the whole series if you're behind. But it'll give you a little bit of a backstory on who he is. And just how rough and tough he is. He goes head to head with Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
Uh, but that was where he was introduced. And since then, we've seen him in Vader. That's where he spent most of his time. And then now, of course, he's an ongoing character in Dr. Aphra's run. He's fantastic. And again, one of the biggest draws to this series is the group, not just Dr. Aphra, who is the lead. Yes. But it's all the co-stars in the story. Yes. Black Chris Santan, uh, the droids, Triple Zero and BD-1. And that duo, Dave, <laughs> without a doubt, are my favorite. There's no, there's no droids that come close, in my opinion, are my favorite droids since the introduction of C-3PO and R2. Hands down the best. Yes, they have been described as the opposites of 3PO and R2 because that's the obvious and the mainstream will always, you know, condense thought and or analysis into bite-sized digestible pieces because it's easier to digest. It's but easier to digest. The yeah. cleverness involved in the writing is quite unique. Their perspective on the universe brings a level of satire to the world of Star Wars that we've never had. Usually with our comedy in Star Wars, it's a little uh, pulpy, lighthearted, lighthearted and cheesy. This is in, this is smart. The comedy that governs BD one or B, yeah BD one and Triple Zero is intelligent. It's intelligent yes. comedy. You, and when I say comedy, it isn't Three Stooges comedy. It's just an intellectual approach to writing two characters who are unaware. Of the sense of humor that Kieran is using to write for them. Yeah, that make, Does that make sense? It like, is true satire. Do, yes, it is true satire. And there are no characters like that. And yes, most of our droids have some type of comedic aspect in the world of Star Wars. And all of them are good for the most part. But none of them are as intelligently written as BD-1 and Triple Zero. And I think that's that's the one thing that governs this whole thing. When you take a look at the first six issues of Dr. Aphra, Karen Gillian and uh, Walker were able to make basically this story, the satirical story and actually turn things we know about star Wars on its head. You know, like when you take a look at the crew itself, like you were, you were pointing out, okay, you have black Chris Santan who automatically everyone counts it will will compare him to who Chewbacca right because he's a Wookiee because he's a Wookiee yeah. but and they're complete to, uh polar opposites completely yeah. and then you see triple zero and BD complete pol polar opposites of C3PO and R2 people compare Afro to Han Solo and Karen Gillan was able to take take not just that very elementary way that all the mass audience was going to look at it but he cleverly wrote a satire yeah. about it. <laughs> well, it's almost like, like a story within a story. Because a story the story of, a story. Because the story of Dr. Aphra is lighthearted at times. But then within her story, you have this parallel narrative of Triple Zero and BD-1. They're almost essentially in their own world, in their heads. Yes. And they're unaware of the world around them unless it has to do with murder and mayhem. And <laughs> that's, awesome. that's the satirical aspect to their characters. There'll be moments where they're talking to each other and they'll say, hey, BD-1 will suggest that they murder these stormtroopers. And Triple Zero will be like, oh, you know, Master Aphra doesn't want us to do that. She wants us to, you know, be uh, discreet. discreet. <laughs> and then BD-1 will beep, you know, some disappointment. And he'll be like, yes, BD, we could have killed that 
trooper right there. You're right. Oh, yes. And we could have killed that one as well if we wanted to. Yes. And we could have killed this one over here as they're walking by. My favorite. My favorite it's scene. just it's funny. My favorite scene that basically made me laugh very darkly was the time that very darkly you laughed <laughs> was uh, the scene where they poisoned the one guy. Yeah. And at yeah. the very end, they're, they're like talking like, oh, yeah, we can. Uh, no, BD, we can't light them on fire. No, sp- uh, human spontaneous combustion is not a thing. Yeah, because they're <laughs> trying to make sure he when they kill him, it looks like an accident. It looks like an accident. Yeah. And I'm like going, oh, my God, this the, this duo. I want to see this duo so badly. I, I honestly in live action. Dude, I would take a a dark, mature adult animation, a cartoon. Give us a 25 minute cartoon. Uh, cartoon with commercials. If you don't want to go into the rated R territory, fine. Go into very dark PG 13. Go think Rick and Morty style, not with all the gore violence, but with the maturity and the mature themes. Give us a 30, 25 to 30 minute series with these characters and write it as a comedy, as a dark comedy. It would work. It would. If they doubt it, start cutting all the BD and triple zero aspects from Dr. Afra's series and slice them together or splice them together like a comic strip. And it will read like a dark satire. Mm -hmm. It's genius. Now their background or their backstory also has some really, I want to say deep roots into the new era of star Wars. For example, they were both created uh, well, BD-1 was created within the Tarkin Initiative. It was a secret think tank, if you guys remember, if people don't remember, uh, within the Advanced Weapons Research Division. That was a big thing and introduction into the Tarkin novel, as well as the Rogue One prequel series, as well as Rogue One. It's what Director Orson Krennic was a part of, the Tarkin Initiative. The, Tarkin the Initiative. Death Star yeah. was also a part of the Tarkin Initiative. And in this initiative, they also constructed the assassin droid BD-1 in one of their bases. The droid, however, was revealed to be homicidal, wiping out everyone at the base and then self-destructing the base itself. It was at some point before the secret mission to Geonosis found by Dr. Afra, which was in the Vader series. And in order to wake up the BD-1 droid, she had to use the Matrix for this droid called Triple Zero. And that's how she got her droids and in and thus is born two of the greatest droids in Star Wars. <laughs> it's very, very smart, very intelligent. And the way they introduce the characters into the main storyline is pretty genius. All right. So let's jump into the narrative of Dr. Aphra. Uh, the the uh, character began appearing in our own comic series, a Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, Dr. Aphra in December 2016. Uh, Dr. Aphra picks up after the Darth Vader's attempt, after Darth Vader's attempt to kill Aphra at the end of Darth Vader. She's in hiding, so Vader will not discover that she is alive. All right, so in the opening issues that tell the ever-evolving story of Dr. Aphra, uh, Kieran Gillen holds no punches and throws us immediately into what, David? The deep mysticism of the Force. Because you got to. So now, David, we're not just dealing with a unique, cool character and clever guest stars. Now we're going into territory that I love. My favorite aspect of Star Wars is the ancient lore of Star Wars. Something that this era 
of Star Wars, the Disney era, they have been afraid to fully commit to it, but not in this issue. Yeah. Not in not in this title, Dr. Afra, issues one through six. They hold no punches. They go right into the deep mysticism of the force. And we get there by Gillen telling a more intimate story about Afra. We take a more interpersonal approach to development. We learn about her relationship with her father and that she's from a broken home, which possibly is the reason, as you had said, Dave, for how she behaves. Yes. But it's not used to justify. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. They didn't use it kind of like a soapbox, like, oh, you know. Feel sorry for Dr. Sorry Afra. For Dr. Afra. This Afra. is no. why she's bad. No. Which I'm glad they didn't do that. Because yeah. when you have a character like this, you don't want to justify who they are. Because it takes away the grit. It takes away the complicated nature of that character and makes them not as interesting. Explain, flesh out why they are, but don't justify who they are. And you do this through various personal arcs. And I felt like this was a very good way to officially start her story, her personal story, her, her personal inter- story, yeah. her introduction was in Vader, but her personal story where we really learn about her is in this title. It was also a platform for the introduction of new and reworked Star Wars lore, Dave. Yes. I, I, when I cracked open this first issue, these first two issues, I believe is when they first introduced this idea to us in issues one and two. I was completely surprised. I did not know they were going to take us down this route. Afra and her father set out on a journey to unearth the remnants of an ancient Jedi splinter group that Afra's father said could bring peace to the galaxy. Okay, now this splinter group is known as the Ordu Aspectu. Yes. Now get this, Dave. The Ordu Aspectu was a splinter group of the Jedi Order that was thought to have existed long before the Galactic Civil War until they met their doom at the hands of the Orthodox Jedi. This is all Disney canon era stuff. So this is Disney actually committing to something hardcore. Various accounts said that their headquarters were located in the Citadel of Ruhr, And one of their leading members was Rur. Now, we're going to get into this because this is where it gets really interesting, Dave, because this is somewhat new canon. Somewhat. Somewhat new, but they also used that good old-fashioned Legends Rolodex. Yes. And they reworked some old retconned canon aspects. Uh, The Ordu Ordu Aspectu was a splinter group of the Jedi Order, um, according to one account supported by the scholar Afra, which is Dr. Afra's dad, the Ordu Aspectu was a violence-loathing Jedi sect that sought to selfishly prolong life for all. When the Orthodox Jedi raided their fortress, the Ordu Aspectu were forced to activate a device that seemingly caused them to disappear, perhaps ascending to a higher form of existence. I'm not going to get any into it any further because I don't want to spoil the yeah, story. Yeah, we don't want to spoil it. If people plan to get into this issue, which I, I want you to. But it taps into the one of the classic tropes, tropes, I call it a trope, in Star Wars. Yeah. The 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 search for immortality. Yes. I mean, come on. That was what led Darth Vader down the dark path. That's what led the, the, the Sith. You hearken to all this classic lore with one of the most constant themes in all of Star Wars, which is the search for immortality. And 
instead of going the normal route that they would do, Gillen decided to actually do, you know what? I'm going to harken back to like the days of Dark Horse comics, like Tales of the Jedi and telling like this. This is what this feels like. And that's what it feels like. And it we feels have like neg- an old Tales of the Jedi comic. And we have neglected that aspect of Star Wars since 2000 and what, 13? Yes. We about not, like 2010, 2013. We have not. Well, whenever Disney purchased Lucasfilm, which I think was about 2013. Now in Legends. Which, if people aren't aware, Dave, Legends is what they call the old expanded universe that has been retconned. Yes. Now, Rur was a character already before the great retconning of 2013. Oh, yeah. Rur was the high shaman of the terrible glare after his order lost a war with the Jedi thousands of years before the Galactic Civil War. Uh, Rur had embedded his personality into a computer, <laughs> his body mummified inside a pyramid of glass. Now, this is pretty similar. So they're just changing little aspects and making it work into new Star Wars canon. And I appreciate that, Dave. And, I yeah, I really like that they're taking some of these cooler mystical aspects of Star Wars and finding a clever way to bring them back into the fold. And Dr. Afra, being an archaeologist... I mean, what better way to bring back something as cool as, you know, the Ordu Espectu. And like the, the cool thing about it was the way they approached it was we're going to say that basically there's many ways people have interpreted the legend of Rur. And like you have the way her dad saw it. Then you hear what the droids tell her, but from the old t- texts of the Jedi order, right? Then you get to the actual, you know, temple and you find out more truth about that. So it kind of like, it makes that it still makes that old legends that we knew as the EU relevant because they're just telling it from a different perspective. Yeah. They're saying, Hey, th- no one's real sure how it really happened except you know, we have this telling us this type of text telling us it went like this and so forth and so on. And I thought that was really well done by Gillen uh, in how to handle like delving back into the Rolodex, getting a character or getting a concept from the EU and bringing it back into like the new age of Star Wars. You know, still treat it as, hey, this is this is from the old EU, but... We're going to tell it as if this is what this perspective was like. Now, Dave, the really cool part about this, and it just shows how Giran, Giran Gillen feels about this type of stuff. And maybe even his uh, affinity for Alan Moore's work, because you might not know this, Dave, but the creator of this idea was actually taken from the storyline titled Blind Fury, and it's a comic book story that was originally published in Marvel's UK Star Wars Monthly number 159 that was written by the iconic Alan Moore. See, that's cool. How awesome is that, Dave? That is really cool. First off, I had no idea until I was preparing for this show. I had no idea that Alan Moore had even written anything Star Wars. Did you know? No, I did not, especially since, like, the the run in the Marvel UK, I know recently I've heard that basically that it's a really a longer run than a lot of people think. It's it, it's actually longer than uh, 
it was uh, compared to here in the States. The UK, they continued it on. Yeah. And you know what, Dave? Guess what I'm going to do? Because we're doing five days a week, Star Wars from the back to tank from now on. We have Wednesdays that we've designated as Legends Wednesday. Guess what I'm going to throw in on a Wednesday discussion? Aligned, aligned furry, fury, sorry, not furry. That'd be interesting. Well, anything from the UK would Are be... you into furries? Because we might do that <laughs> as well. Maybe we can do Wookiee furries. Wookiee for is, that a, is that a thing? Uh, you think people dress up as Wookiees and they're called furries? I wouldn't be surprised. People are very twisted out there. So dumb. <laughs> so let me add Blind Fury to our list for Legends Wednesday. I don't think we're going to get to it this month because we have everything planned out already. But let's throw it into like maybe an October discussion. And I would, dude, I'm actually really interested to see how Alan Moore would write a Star Wars story. Oh, absolutely. Because it's one of those things that even I just recently have been interested into looking into the Europe, the Europe, the Star Wars history, because it is different. And everyone has basically agreed in Europe. Star Wars is a huge, huge fandom. You know what also is a thing in Europe? You can go into McDonald's and get a glass of beer. Did you know that? A glass of beer. Yeah, I heard that. That's actually really cool. (laughs) (laughs) But like, a lot of times, like sometimes when I actually talk to some of my friends who live in, in England, they bring up tidbits like that. And I'm like saying they're going, what the hell are you guys talking about? And they're like, to, oh, yeah, it was in this comic back in the day. I'm like, going, I didn't we didn't get that. Comic. Yeah, David, that, that is why I am a fan of the great retcon. It needed to be cleaned up. There were there were stories going on in the United Kingdom. Well, we've said we've stated that basically, yeah, it was a jumbled mess. But yeah, I mean, it was really it was a fantastic, beautiful jum- jumbled, jumbled mess. mess. But it if you're going to have interconnected stories that are all connected, you're going to you're going to have to officially retcon something that was not really even official, according yeah, to because like, film you now. had you had people in Europe thinking this fandom for one way while in the States it's, it said, no, this is how it is. This is how, uh, how it is over here. And like, it's, it'd be so fun just to actually look at the old star Wars magazines, the one, the quarterlies that they basically had where you had writers like Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore, apparently like writing in it. Can you imagine? Yeah. We're, we're going to not just Alan Moore, but Neil Gaiman writing a star Wars. Maybe story? we could even go a step further, Dave, and introduce a, a Marvel UK title into the mix of things. I, I think, think it'll be should. fun. It'd be I mean, fun. Dude, I mean, just look at the elements that Alan Moore put into Blind Fury, okay? There's some dark things, <laughs> which would make sense from Alan Moore. Alan Moore. <laughs> the creator of Swamp Thing and Constantine, right? Yeah. Swamp so. Thing, Constantine, Watchmen, uh, yes, Jesus, dude. dude <laughs> I, yeah, we have to cover this. But let's go to a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to jump into the rest of uh, Doctor Afra Volume One. We'll be right back. All right, get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank each and every month when you sign up to be a Patreon pledger. Head over to Patreon.com/slash Rainman Digital and pledge five dollars or more a month, and you will gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions. Ranging from book reviews, comic book discussion, and additional topical breakdowns, news, updates, you name it, we do it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital. Pledge, it helps us keep the lights on in the studio. If you don't, we're going to be living in rags like Ray. <laughs> the Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. 
least entertaining, you know, like oh a guy God. gets a horse. What are you on about, Tony? A guy being yeah, no, dragged a guy gets by a horse. rope no, 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 by no, no, a not white drag, a not bl- drag, a black guy being pulled. No, not okay. pulled. Is it? This is it. <laughs> black guy tied by ropes yes being led by a horse and a white man on that horse with a cowboy hat i think it it's not been, entertaining no i think it would have been we are offensive. making it entertaining it, it would have been less offensive if the uh black individual was on a horse and riding side by side you can say so man, like, that's not the problem no, no, you know like they'll be riding side by side like what did he say Ranger black and individual <laughs> You want him to be a black Tonto? No, no he just side by side, to the side, side by side with the guy. You know, side by side, equal. This you know, is arm in arm. You know, like oh my god, this t- Thomas, perfect example of a racist because he <laughs> thinks he's fixing it. Yes, no, by it's saying, okay. By uh, making him like, listen, no, let's make it better. We'll put him on a horse and he'll be a sidekick to a white yeah. man. <laughs> Still not equal. For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. Geek Out Saturday. I've never been a fan of Superman because I was never a fan of that overpowered character. Well, I'll shoot you then. Nope, I'm bulletproof. Well, then I'll cut you. Can't. You don't need an entire three-episode arc to give characters closure. There's little things that they're doing to give us that finale-ishness. That's not even a word, but I just made it. That's so cool. Just to get that insight. And I think that's what makes this movie special for me. Right. Is that we have the Batman I grew up with, the Joker I grew up with. We shot him when we go to cons because he will chase after actors like, no, not if you're representing the show. If you're representing uh, the show, do not chase after these people, please. (laughs) Exactly. Catch up on your favorite Rain Man digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rain Man Channel 001. Listen from the Rain Man digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the Back to Tank. And also, five days a week, Star Wars from the Back to Tank, Monday through Friday. Three days on our free feed that you can get us through the usual places. And then two days a week, Thursday and Friday, exclusively on Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge to the Patreon tier. And then you can get your full five days of back to goodness. You help yourself and you help us continue to keep the lights on in the studio because uh, I know I joke a lot, Dave, that I'm going to close this motherfucker down. But listen, we're, we're getting there. It's very expensive to keep this network afloat. And the little bit that we get from Patreon, it helps it. Helps it? Helps us. Helps us. And it helps it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just kind of nailing it, uh, the nail in the coffin on this last bit of this last bit that we talked about before going to break. I love when they do stuff like this, uh, yeah. you know, rework legends, well, uh, retcon aspects of former canon and bringing it back into the fold. I mean, this is what they promised us. Do you remember? I remember George Lucas and, and Kathleen Kennedy on that initial video 
talking about what they were doing and how it's not going to go away forever. Uh, yes. That they will keep it in a box and they will bring it out when they feel like it's needed. And they have done that pretty well so far. And this is one of the aspects that is just a home run, bringing something back like uh, rural and the Ordu aspect do and, and the Orthodox Jedi. I mean, it's really good stuff being brought back in and actually it feels tidier. It feels neater knowing that yeah. everything connects and works together. Yeah. And the legends still matter. I mean, just to add on to it also is like, I actually, during our break looked up the Marvel UK collection. Mm -hmm. They actually just released it back in, you know, 2017 Marvel actually took everything from the Marvel U Marvel UK Star Wars collected it into a hardcover and put it out there and said this is what this is what was going on during the 70s and 80s Oh wait a second there's a you can buy it Yeah you can buy it Hey make sure you send me that link cuz I will uh, purchase it and maybe we could do some giveaways with it Oh absolutely Is it hardcover It's hardcover Okay you and know what on top of that listen to the authors that were here you had Archie Goodwin you had Chris Claremont during the 70s and 80s. If everybody who knows comic, comics knows Chris Claremont and remembers during the 80s, that was the big X-Men run with Dark Phoenix and, you know, the, the, uh, all, the, all the really great and dark storylines that a lot of the movies today were based on. It's Chris, uh, Chris Claremont. And then you had... Alan Moore, you had John Stokes, you had Walt Simonson, who is a classic Marvel person who did a lot of stuff for Thor. And all these great minds were working during the 70s and 80s in the UK on nothing but Star Wars. Send me that link, Dave. <laughs> can you put it into Discord? Are yeah. you able to get to that pretty quick? Oh, yeah, I can send that to you right now. Yeah, I um, I feel like we need to. We gotta cover this. Maybe because there, this is awesome. Maybe on Legends Wednesday we can do some Legends Wednesday. Yeah, we can do some giveaways. That show will not be live, but maybe we can, uh, in a way to promote the Wednesday show. Maybe during our our live show on Friday afternoons, we can get people to call in and try to win. Yeah, this would be an awesome, awesome collection for any star wars fan dave am i a horrible star wars fan because i don't recall ever no one hearing about the uk version of of star wars of star wars same here this was only recently because a lot of my a lot of my friends that basically now live in europe always tell me about like what star wars was like for them because me and you talk oh, about for raising, them. raising, going, uh, going on the dark horse run in the nineties run, their run was the seventies and eighties. And it's amazing now looking at it, like wonder all the creative they, people that were behind it. I wonder if they were able to do a little bit more mature themes because, you know, being oh, with being Chris in Claremont Europe. and Alan Moore heading them. Yeah. Yeah. You I better mean, expect it. It would make sense, especially again, like being in Europe, Europe, they get away with a lot more maturity than Know, United States and our our odd Puritan esque <laughs> ways. Yeah, did you put that in there yet? Yeah, I did. I don't see it. it might take. Oh some wait, time. I'm an idiot. Wait, wow. no, I, I yeah, I don't see it. You put it in uh, Discord. Yes. Did you not get it? No, I didn't get it. Did you put it in the back to tank group page or the? I put it in the back to tank. Yeah, I don't have it yet. I wonder, what, I wonder what happened, Dave. Are you trying to are you trying to fool me? <laughs> fool me. I'm gonna send BD one and triple zero after you. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. So while you send that to me, let me get into our next bit of the show for today. Okay. So getting back into some of the more mystical aspects of Star Wars, the mysticism, the deep lore, the mythology, the mythos. And this is a really cool aspect, Dave. Okay. Especially because of one of the keys that was needed to unlock this mystery behind the Ordu aspect to yeah. And Dr. Afra, it was located on Yavin 4. <laughs> because, yep. And Yavin 4 is a big part of Star Wars canon and history, and not just because of the obvious, the rebel base from New Hope, and of course, in Rogue One now. And rebels. And rebels, but let's go farther back. How did the temples get there on Yavin 4? The rebellion didn't make them, they were ruins that they just used as a base. They were the Masasi temples is what they were and that comes with so much deep lord that takes us back to the dark horse comic days in the 90s they had established years ago that yavin 4's importance within the great star wars story goes way deeper than just simply it being the base the rebel, the base. rebel base and honestly this is the part that hurt me the most in 2013 when Disney had retconned everything, this is what hurt me the most. Knowing that the Dark Horse run, the Tales of the Jedi, the introduction of Exar Kun, that is what hurt me the most. Like knowing that that was no longer going to be an aspect of Star Wars, but they're slowly bringing it back. I mean, we had the 90s Dark Horse run, but then we also had the Jedi Academy books where Luke had established his Jedi Academy on Yavin 4. Yes. And his students were being plagued by this possessed temple by the spirit of Exar Kun. Exar Kun. It's just fantastic. Now, because Kieran Gillen took us to Yavin 4, this all makes sense. Bringing in the importance of Yavin 4 when it comes to the ancient Jedi. Due to the fact that the story takes place just a few weeks after the Battle of Yavin, we also have the Empire there, all right? Uh, and the Empire would have some presence there. And with that presence, we also get the introduction of a Imperial officer named Magna Tolvan. Another interesting and unique character for a lot of reasons. An Imperial officer that was given a backstory that was also deeply connected to the Star Wars films. I like when they do this, okay? Now, just to give a little bit of a, a background story or back... Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Dave? A little bit of uh, history. History. On this character. She was a female human who served as a captain in the Imperial military. Now, her connection goes back to Rogue One. She was the head of security for the planet known as... Was it the uh, Rebels planet? Oh my god! Where Rogue oh. One took place. Oh my god! I can't remember. But yeah, I, 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 what the frick was it? Jesus, my brain's not working right now. I gotta look that up because it's gonna bug the crap out. Uh, Iadu, I believe how you say it. I just couldn't pronounce it. Iadu. Iadu. Uh, yeah, she joined the Galactic Empire sometime before the Battle of Yavin in the Imperial Academy. Her classmates thought she was going to be the most likely to succeed. Admiral Ozzel, which we know who he is, considered her a candidate for greatness, and she eventually reached the rank of captain under the command of Tag, and we know who that is. Uh, she was responsible for the security on Iadu, a planet that hosted a research and development facility of the Tarkin Initiative. This is where Galen Erso was yes. murdered and killed and where events of Rogue One took place. 
So her story starts there. She was dishonored by her failure to protect that base. And she was then punished by being forced to provide security on Yavin 4, a base, a rebel base that was obviously abandoned after the events of New Hope. And that's where her story starts. And a lot of people may not be aware that we have two big storylines going on in this story. We start to see the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to Magna Tolvin. But she becomes, without any spoilers, as you read past issue six, she becomes a very integral part of Dr. Afra's storyline. Yes. Uh, she becomes a, a bit of an arch nemesis and possibly in the later issues or the newer issues, a love interest of Afra's. <laughs> because if you can't kill her, just screw her brains out. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, scissor. Scissor her Scissor, David. Come on. Be more loving when you say it. <laughs> the story is fabulous. The writing is good. Uh, plot points neatly mapped out. The uh, first issue was a bit clumsy overall with exposition, but it's to be expected when trying to fill in the blanks. Uh, you have to remember that this is not the start of her story. The start of her story was Invader. So in the first issue, you have a little bit of stutter stepping. When you're trying to introduce a new idea, because you got to remember years down the road, like right now, for example, what are people going to do? They're not going to say, oh, you know what? I got to read Vader. I want to get to know Dr. Afra. So I got to read Vader first. No, most people are going to be like, you know, what? I'm going to pick up Dr. Afra number one. Mm -hmm. So you have to write in a way that people will understand your story and also take into account that they may not have ever read the Vader series. So. That being said, there is a little bit of stutter stepping in the first issue as they're trying to reestablish or reintroduce this character and then reiterate the things that she's gone through. Mm -hmm. But once you get past that, after the first, I don't know, first three quarters of the first issue, it's just, it's solid. It's Everything very just solid. falls into place. I mean, this was, this is an example of really good comic book writing because you're right. One of the biggest hurdles for any comic book person is trying not to trying not to basically rely on yes you have i have to figure out how to say this properly mm -hmm. trying not to rely on stuff that was written by other people before you mm -hmm. and trying to tell a original story and making it stand on its own yeah dave all while writing a story that is about a lesbian yes unless you, we haven't gone into that they didn't at even all yet but Dave, this is how you do it. Yes. Because her sexuality isn't dictating the story, nor is it relevant or important. It just is. Yeah. It just is a part of her. And you don't even know that for the entire run of Vader. You find out a little bit towards the end, I want to say of issue three, there are hints that she's lesbian. Yes. But it's done in a way that doesn't feel forced or contrived. And that's something that we get a lot in this day and era with agendas. And we talk about that a lot on our, on our network because we review and discuss comic books, movies, TV shows. And one thing that just aggravates all of us, all what 15 hosts on this network who by the way are all liberal. But what aggravates us is how they do it. Yeah. Hey, guys, lesbians are people, too. Hey, guys, Mexicans are people, too. Hey, guys, black people are people, too. Like, 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We we really need to know this. Just make it a part of the story. You don't need to highlight the minority status of the before mentioned. You don't have to focus on that. Someone's sexuality should not be the focus if you have a character who just happens to be lesbian. Do exactly. we do we do that with any, anyone else? Do we talk all the time about Han Solo's conquest as a as a ladies man? Does it does that define who Han Solo is? Does Luke's gender and sexual preference dictate his story? No. No. Has it, it has no bearing. So why should it matter for anyone else? And that's how you properly assimilate the masses. Exactly. And that's why I really appreciated the fact that Gillen basically didn't just stand on a soapbox and say, hey, this character is a lesbian. He used his own narrative to kind of kind of graft that ideology onto the character without making it a big deal. She's just That's, a person she's just who a happens person. to like women. That's why I That's like – I love that scene in the very end where basically they they let her go and she says, you know what? The normal move would be who, to – Who do they let go? They let go of um, oh, uh, the, the imperial officer. The yeah. imperial officer and she goes, you know, the normal move would to kill you. However, you're cute. And yeah. then she 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 leaves her on the planet stranded, and her father looks at her and says, "You have terrible taste in women." Yeah, and that's how they officially and that's state how they, it. That's how they ta- yeah. they state it, and it and it worked. It's no big deal, but it sets a narrative still, and it still affects the story because we now know that that character that she left on that planet is going to come back. Yeah, and that's that is the proper way of using that type of story if that you, you want to tell if and they, putting it into your story make if, it count if you want mexicans blacks and the gay community to be accepted right first thing you have to do is quit treating them like they're on a pedestal exactly they are people they're people that's it i'm not special because i'm mexican david you're not special because you're filipino we're all in this stupid boat and when you write <laughs> A story that reflects that, that just another cog in the wheel, that's how you properly create, what's the word I'm looking for, Dave? Tolerance. Tolerance. You, that's the whole thing, what, four or five years ago. Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. That's how you do it. You just, hey, look, look. in, in reality and in society, there are gay people. And in this story, there's a gay person. It would make sense. Yeah. And this is how you properly do that. I. I love how they wrote the entire story. Give me your final thoughts, Dave, before we get, I want to get into the impact and reception of the overall story and how it's resonated with some of the fan base. But first, let me get your final thoughts on issues one through six. One through six for me for Dr. Afro is a must read. It is an absolute must read for any Star Wars fan who is interested in the franchise as a whole. Yeah. You want to actually see other characters out there. Please pick this, pick this story arc up because Afro is gearing up to be one of the, probably the most important characters in the era of Disney slash Marvel. I think her and Vader are the most relevant characters right now when oh, it comes to their storylines. Absolutely. And there's no, there's nothing negative about them. There's no, if you, if you're tired of the quote unquote trollish behavior in star Wars, there's nothing trollish about Dr. Afra. I have looked at the entire fan base of Star Wars who reads Dr. Aphra and and not once do people troll about it. 
They don't troll about it. Uh, a because few, they, a few people have I've seen on my a feed few, about yeah. More or less, those trolls get turned into uh, turns into jokes, and they're like, "Well, you know, Afra is cool. I would like to actually hang out with her." <laughs> and the people who are trolling it uh, because of her being a lesbian or because it's a woman, I feel like they completely miss the miss, miss the point. They miss the point of the story. And, and rather than complaining, they should look into the material and realize that there's within this lighthearted story, there's there's some substance. There's there. some substance. And here. It, it is one of the best Star Wars comics we've had since the Marvel takeover, since the Disney buyout. You've had the Marvel Star Wars series, which is, I would say, 70, 30. 70, 30, 70 percent good, 30 percent kind of just meaningless, not bad, just like mm, we, a lot of filler. And I understand why, because there's only so much you can do with Luke, Han, and Leia without accidentally stepping on established canon. I'm going to say something that basically might surprise a lot of people. What? In this era that basically we want those original characters, and everyone always points at Kylo Ren, Rey, Finn, and Poe. Those mm-hmm. are the faces of the Star Wars franchise and Disney Marvel. If you were to ask me to rank characters, favorite characters. Of the new era? Of the new era. Dr. Afro beats all of them. Oh, e- easily, Dave. Easily. Easily. She is probably... Th- hold on, hold on. Let me think. Hold on. Dude, anyone, uh, any, any kid or any, any, any person who wants to get into the new era of Star Wars, I would automatically tell them, read Dr. Afro's stories. They're fantastic. They're fun. They're really good. They don't have any, anything that might turn you off. Let me uh, double down on that. Okay. I was thinking. I... I think can you think th- of a throw character? in the characters in Doctor Afra as one, as one, as one because you have okay. BD one, you have triple zero, you have Black Chris Santan. Then you just blow away Rafe and Bowen, dude, Kylo Ren easily. And and, and I'm not saying anything bad about those characters. I appreciate those characters, but I feel like those the the characters within Doctor Afra are far more interesting than anything we've we've received since 2013. No, absolutely, I. I I told uh, I I will back that up a hundred percent because like you know I love Ray I love the potential we have with this I character. love the Republic but if you look I at love Ray, democracy now if you look at Ray and you look at Doctor Afra who's the most charismatic person Doctor Afra is more charismatic than Ray yeah <laughs> I want to get to know more about Doctor Afra or even compare her to Kylo Ren who is a really interesting character with a lot of potential but. Well, Dave, we, we've got to wrap. We only have a few more minutes here. In fact, we're over. Um, let's talk about the art briefly, okay? The art from Kev Walker, I feel, really draws you into the story. But I will say this. I prefer LaRocca's style from Vader. When it comes to Dr. Afra. there's something I, I feel I don't have a problem with Walker. I think he's done a great job. There's a little bit of an ant. There's like a, a manga vibe a bit. It is. To, it's a very which is fine. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a bad thing. And maybe they are going with that style because I think Doctor Afra is technically Asian, right? Yes. Is she Asian or black? Or I believe both? she's Asian. Yeah, that's some people said she was black, but I think she's Asian. Not that it really matters, but it the reason really- why I'm saying that is because there's a specific style I feel that Walker's using, and sometimes when he draws. Afra, she looks like a, a manga character at times. 
Yeah. Do you agree with that? No, no, I agree because Walker has a d- distinct style and I think he his influences are very anime-ish. Okay. And that if you look at a lot of his other work, Walker tends to – I hate using this term, but it's kind of like young adult uh, comics. Okay. He, he, you he know has what? that type of I can see art that, yeah. that has young adult comics written on it. And I'm thankful that basically that didn't come through in this comic because it'd be kind of off-putting, mm-hmm. especially with the dark tones you're dealing with. Right. But comparing him and LaRocca, I could I could see your point. I like LaRocca, and maybe I know he was for the Vader series, but I got so used to seeing Dr. Aphra, BD-1, and Triple Zero. It fits and, their characteristics. And Chris Santan. I, I, I saw them being drawn so, what, 23-some issues almost in, in the Vader series? That it was a big, like, it jolted me a bit when I saw how different it looked. And maybe that's all it is. But I do prefer LaRocca's gritty style yeah. when when drawing those characters. So hopefully um, I'll get more adjusted as I as as we move along. We shall see. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying not to jump ahead because I've already read. But I'm trying to jump ahead here. I'm going <laughs> to leave some mystery there for my thoughts. <laughs> All right, we need to wrap this show up. We actually have another 15 minutes planned, but we we we're gone. We've gone we way got too one long. Over. <laughs> All right, I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you guys are ready for a lot more Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Like I said, five days a week of Star Wars from the Back to Tank. All starting this month, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Free shows on our regular feed: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Search Star Wars from the Back to Tank. The last two shows of the week, Thursday and Friday, are available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Pledge $5 or more a month. $5 or more a month, and you'll gain access. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast tier, and that'll give you more Star Wars. It helps you pass the time when you're driving to work, whatever you may be doing when you listen to podcasts, and it helps us keep this network alive. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes.